Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. Well, today we're going to be taking a little trip back to the garden. We're going to look at how God originally created the world and everything that that little snake stole from us in the garden. So we're going to kick it off in Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading about halfway through verse 4. When the Lord God had made the heavens and the earth, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed life, the breath of life, into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living soul. So there's the difference between everything else that God created. God actually breathed the breath of life into man and created him a living soul. So we have spirit, flesh, and a soul. That's what composes a man. He has a spirit of God inside of him, and he has the breath of life that was the spirit of God coming inside of him, which created a soul inside of him and his flesh. So that's the three unique differences of a man is that they're made up of three parts spirit soul and body first thessalonians 5 and 23 says now may the god of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the lord jesus christ comes again so here in thessalonians as well he's pointing out that those are the three characteristics of a man were made up of a body that he formed from the dust of the ground. God's spirit was breathed inside of us, and we have been created as a living soul. Soul is kind of like the hard drive that backs up everything that we're doing in our life. Or you could think of it as your mind. But it's a soul, and that soul is what will never die. That is what is eternal in a man. The soul is eternal. So man was composed of those three parts. And we're going to read here in a little bit how he falls and he has a spiritual death. So he still has his soul and he still has his body, but the spirit of God departs from him, leaving him the number of the man, 666, two-thirds, because he no longer had the spirit of God inside of him. That was the death that Adam went through. And we're going to read about that as we continue here. And that's why being filled with the Holy Ghost is such an important part. 
because it's God's spirit coming back inside you, making you a whole creature the way God designed us to be, a body, spirit, and a soul. But let's continue. Then the Lord planted a a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. And the Lord made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, Adam originally is chilling in the garden. He doesn't have any jobs at this point. God's taking care of everything. This is how God designed man. We weren't designed to serve him and to work. We were designed to relax and be in the presence of God. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The four branches, called the Pishon, flowing around the entire land of the Havana, where gold is found. And the gold in that land is especially pure. Aramaic resin and oxen stone are also found there. And again, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm mispronouncing all of this, but we're getting the point. There's all these beautiful gems and gold. So if, technically, if Adam's the only man on earth, we can say he's rich. So God has blessed him, put him in a beautiful place, let him see all of God's glory and majesty around him in the beautiful creation. And he gave him a bunch of gold and a bunch of beautiful stones and a bunch of precious treasures. The second branch was called the Gideon, which flowed around the entire land of Cush. And the third branch was called the Tigris, which flowed east of the land of Esher. The fourth branch was called the Euphrates. And the Lord God placed a man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. So now, he's told here that he can eat any fruit in the garden. And all he has to do is watch over this garden. That's a pretty amazing life. Living in this beautiful garden with all these wonderful trees, all the food you can eat, all the riches that you want on earth, everything you could desire is there, let alone the tree of life. He was actually able to eat of the tree of life. The tree of life would have given him immortality if he had continued to eat from it. So he had no sicknesses, no disease, no ailment. Even if he was feeling under the weather, he could go eat, take a bite of the tree of life. And he was instantly better and instantly cured. This is exactly what God designed for man. Every time we curse God because we don't have enough money, he goes, well, you had it in the garden. Every time we curse God because we don't have enough food, well, you had it in the garden. Every time we curse God because we're in, our health is poor or we're dying or loved ones die, well, you could have eaten from the tree of life if you guys wouldn't have messed all that up. And we're going to get to that soon. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each of them. Now, again, we're going to focus on this here. 
God did not breathe life into these animals' nostrils and make them a living soul. Animals are different from human beings. We have a living soul. That's why we have a conscience. We can remember what's right and wrong, what we should and we shouldn't do. This is all because of God breathing his life into our nostrils. But Adam gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib that he had brought from the man. And at last the man exclaimed, Now this is one that is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. So again, we know that we reproduce after our own kind. So woman was taken from man. So she also has a body, a spirit, and a soul. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. So again here, when we hear people start complaining about how they don't have a wife and they don't have a loved one, God remembers you had it all in the garden. He gave you a wife in the garden. You didn't have to beg for one. He would give you one. The man, they didn't have to worry about their clothes. They were naked. So the more we have to worry about our clothes and how we look and all of these problems are all problems that came from the fall. I don't know how people blame God and say that he's a mean God for the world being the way it is. When we can clearly see here The world was really good. All they did was lay around naked and eat fruit and love their wife and love God and spend time with him and care for these different animals, get to see all the great, amazing creations that God created. But I don't read anywhere in here where God created anything that was bad. Everything were good. Lions weren't chasing at him, trying to kill him. Everything was peaceful and calm and just the way God designed it. And now... In comes the serpent. And the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. We're starting right at chapter 3 now. And one day he asked the woman. Now here's what he did too. Here's we got to pay attention to this. He didn't come to her and tell her. He didn't command. He didn't yell. He didn't do anything. He knew that she had more power. But he came to her and he asked her a question. He used his dirty, deceitful mouth. Did God really say... You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. So, And he also tricked her here because he didn't ask her a truthful question. God didn't say they couldn't eat from any of the trees in the garden. And he knew that. And she tells him, of course, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. So God's not telling us we can't have any fun. God didn't tell us we can't enjoy life. We're enjoying everything in the garden. The tree of life, all the amazing fruit that we have on earth and some that we don't, amazing things. We could enjoy all of that. The only thing we must not eat from that one tree in the garden. It wasn't a hard burden. God didn't make it hard on man or woman. He made it easy. You guys can relax, chill out, eat everything you want. Just stay away from that one. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. 
And if you do, you will die. Now, I'm not sure Adam and Eve really knew what death really was at this point in time. They hadn't seen it. But I'm sure God told them that it wasn't good. And it wasn't something that they wanted to experience. Because God's not just going to tell us stuff that we're not supposed to do without explaining to us how harmful it is to us. So he told them, you will surely die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. So he tells her a lie right away. You won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Man, sometimes it's better not to know good and evil. It's always better to just walk in the God's words, to walk in his spirit, move in him. Don't worry about what's right and wrong. Worry about obeying God and living by what he tells you. But we always want to know what's right and wrong, don't we? That's why we still want to go back to the old laws and the old commandments. Because it's, it's easier for us just to know in our head than to blindly walk by faith and follow the Spirit. As you're going to see throughout this Bible, if you continue to read the entire Bible, there are several times that God changes. He changes His covenants. He changes His will for man. Now, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character stays the same. But what he desires from man changes. Originally, just don't eat that one apple. Then we got Ten Commandments. Then we got a list of rules that we had to follow. Then Jesus came and said, you know what? Just follow the Spirit. Just follow me. So God changes, and we have to be willing to walk with him and have a relationship with him. Believe the words that come out of his mouth and follow his words, not the devil's. But the woman was convinced, and she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. So she wanted the wisdom it would give her. Man, she didn't even realize the wisdom wasn't in the tree. God has the wisdom. He's the author of wisdom. What little amount of wisdom he put in that tree he has an abundant amount of it in himself. Then she gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And that moment their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Now, I also think this testifies about a man. Because it says Adam was with her. It doesn't say that Adam wasn't with her. It says he was standing there. He was watching this whole conversation go on and he never butted in and stood up and took the authority and said, wait a minute, God said, we're not going to eat this. I'm not eating this. But instead, by just being a, a bystander, he became a partaker by him just being willing to stand by and watch somebody be deceived by the devil. He found himself in that same deceit. That's an amazing lesson that we can learn from in our life. Don't just stand by while people do wrong. Be the voice to speak up. Because if you don't, you'll be the one who's eventually doing wrong with them. Wow, that's powerful. So they saw that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. How many of us are still doing that today? We're trying to cover our own nakedness instead of letting the blood of Christ cover us. 
Yeah, we're trying to make ways to figure out things to cover up the shame that we have in our life. When all we got to do is put it under the blood and he can wash it clean and make it all right. It ain't up to us to make the clothes. God's going to make you some clothes. And watch, he's about to in a second. (laughs) When the cool of the evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking around in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. So here's the most beautiful thing that the Holy Ghost has been showing me. In the cool of the evening, God came to be with his people. That is what Adam and Eve were designed for. They weren't designed for all the other things. God didn't care. He could have named all the animals. He could have, he could have kept the springs going to water the ground. He didn't really need people. But he loved being able to come in the cool of the night and spend time with his people. And that's what God was doing then. And that's what God wants to do today. The whole reason why Christ came and died on the cross and ripped the veil in two was so that we could go back to the garden in our prayer lives and just be alone with the king in the cool of the evening. My soul longs for those times with him where we can just sit back and relax in his arms and let him teach us and let him nurture us and just spend time with his bride Because we're his bride. He's supposed to run the whole universe while we wait in the garden. And just, he can come back to us. And we're waiting there with arms wide open, just ready to love God. That's the life that Christians were designed to live. That's what God originally designed for us. That's what we messed up from the minute we believed the lie out of the devil's mouth. And that's what we sacrificed for sin. So we could have a taste of what the world calls knowledge. I want to get back to that garden. I want to get back to the garden with the king. I don't want to worry about clothes. I don't want to worry about money. I don't want to worry about nothing again. I just want to find myself in the presence of God. Just relaxing in the cool of the evening with the king. With my wife. With my pets with my plants and we're just sitting in God's presence enjoying life too long now Christians have fought over what knowledge they've got or what things they need to do and they haven't just relaxed in the presence of God that's what he misses the most that's what the devil took from him the devil stole God's communication and openness with his people So they hid from the Lord among the trees. They hid from God. The thing that they wanted more than ever than to be in his beautiful presence. But they knew because of their shame and because of their guilt, they hid from God. And I'm telling you today, everybody listening to this, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to hide from God in the trees. We're no longer naked. We have a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth to clothe our sinful flesh. He has sprinkled his blood over our bodies so that when Christ and God look at us, all they see is his blood and his work at the cross. And we're right back to the garden where we don't have to be ashamed and hide in the trees, but we can boldly walk to God and spend time with him in the garden again. 
So if you're baptized and you believe in Jesus and you've been, then it's time for you to walk in the spirit in the garden. It's time for you to just spend time with a loving creator who loves you because he made you the way he wanted you. That's amazing, man. God's really opened that up in my mind. And that's where I'm finding myself. Like, I don't care no more. I want to serve him. Yes, I want to do his will. But that's not what's important. What's important is that when I lay in my bed at night, I hear his voice. That I feel his presence. That I feel his arms wrap around me every day and him say, I love you, Daniel. That's what I long for. And that's what I've been feeling lately. Because that's God. The more you draw to him, the more he draws to you. You can't draw close to God and him just go, yeah, well, I'll get to that later. He's literally waiting, waiting at the edge for us with his arms open. Come, please come back to the garden. Come to the garden and just spend time with me. I don't care if you're perfect. You ain't got to know what to say. You ain't got to have all the right words when you talk to me. I I love your words. I just want to hear you talk. I just want to see you move. And anybody who's got a kid understands that. I love seeing my kids do stuff. I don't, I don't care what it is. It can be silly. They can be gluing macaroni on a piece of paper. And guess what? That matters to me because I love them. I just want to spend time with them and be around them. I don't want them to think that they got to please me. I don't want them to think that if they say the wrong thing, I'm going to hate them. I just want them to know that I love them. And I want to spend every minute I can with them and with God. And he feels the same way about you. Not about everybody else except you. About every single person that's been created on this earth. It says that God knew you before he knitted you together in the womb. He already had a plan for your life before you were born. And it involved a relationship with him. He's going to be side by side with you. Walking with you. His spirit inside you. So he, the Lord called to man, where are you? So right away, as soon as man got lost, the first thing God did was call him. I don't care where you're at today. I don't care how lost you are today. If you've disobeyed a command right out of God's mouth, he is still calling you. He is still saying, come home. Hey, where are you at? Where are you at, guys? You used to be here in my presence. You used to be in the garden with me. We used to be able to talk and hang out. Where are you at now? Where did you go? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid, because I was afraid that I was naked. And so many times we find ourselves in the same place. God's saying, hey, where are you at? I'm here. I love you. I want to spend some time with you. And we are afraid because we're naked because we look down at ourselves and we see all the wrong that we've done we see all of this and we go god wait a minute but i'm naked but i'm dirty but i'm sinful god you can't really want to be with me but he said god says the most amazing thing god tells him who told you you were naked So today I'm asking people who are listening to this, who's telling you that you're naked? Who keeps telling you that you're dirty, that you're sinful, that you're evil? Who's telling you those things? Because it's probably the same liar who showed them they were naked back in the garden. It's the same serpent 
that lying, heathen, evil that tells us we're not good enough to be in the presence of God. But let's pay attention to God's character here. The Lord God asked, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, It was the woman who gave it to me, and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, What have you done? And the serpent, it was the serpent that deceived me. She said, That's why I ate it. Then the Lord said to the serpent, so look right here. He asked him, what happened? The man says, look, man, she gave it to me. The woman says, the serpent, the serpent, the devil, he lied to me. And then God immediately turned to the devil and says, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all other animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, grovel in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. You guys are going to fight, but he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, that's a that is a prophecy about Jesus. Jesus would crush the snake's head. He would crush sin. He would undo everything here that the devil did. The devil made us worry about money made us worry about clothes he made us he made us have to worry about work and toil in the soil he made all these things happen to us took all that away from us but christ is going to crush all of that and most importantly he's going to bring us back to the garden that we can fellowship with him again but also christ's authority was passed on to us as well So we got to remember that too. The devil no longer can his lies affect us. The devil is under our feet. We've crushed his head. He can't stop us from praying and communicating with God. He can't stop God from blessing us with money and with clothing and with every fruit and food and everything that we need in this life. We've already crushed Satan because God did it at the cross. And the more we can believe in that, we don't hide among the trees. We're back in fellowship with the king. We're back walking with him in the cool of the evening in the garden. And there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. He already lost. My God already won. I get to sit at the king's feet every night and he can't stop it. Even if he did make my ancestors bite that apple. My God made a way where there seemed no way. And we should be thankful for that today. We should be we should be doing everything we can to show God how much we appreciate that. Then God turned to the woman. I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So there was the curse that God laid on the woman. You're going to have pain in pregnancy, and it will take pain to reproduce. It won't be easy for you, and you'll always want to rule over your husband. But your husband will always rule over you. And if women don't understand this curse, they can make their life a lot more harsh. It's a curse. But if you can understand this curse, and you can understand that this is what God put on you, you can handle it 
and you can go through life a lot easier than if you're fighting against it. And then God turned to the man. So he worked his way up from the way it went. Started with Satan lies, woman messed up, then man messed up. And God handled it exactly how it happened. But he turned to the man and said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground will be cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Man, and man can learn from this too. And it will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat, until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So there was Adam's curse. He said, all right now, because of what you did, you're going to have to work hard for the rest of your life. Now, men out there who are working a job and they're not liking their life right now, we didn't do that in the garden. We didn't have to do that in the garden. Work is a part of the punishment. And just like I said to the women, we can learn from that as well. We can learn to stop putting our focus on work and put our faith in Jesus because Christ came to overthrow the curse. And he did abolish the curse. Women in Christ walk hand in hand with their husbands. He don't rule over them. Because we're, we're walking in the spirit the way God designed it originally. But if you don't and you live in the world, you're going to have a husband who rules over you. If he don't understand this. And you don't understand it. And it's the same thing for men. We don't have to toil from the ground no more. I, I live with the king. He takes care of me. I keep my hands busy and I work the garden for him. I do what I can. But in the end of the day, he pays my bills. He puts clothes on my back. He puts food on my table. He puts money in my pocket. He's the one that takes care of all of my needs. And all I got to do at the end is just relax in the garden with the king. Because that's where I got back to when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and walk in the ways of God instead of the ways of the world. But God told Adam that he would die because of what he did and then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who lived and the Lord God made clothing from the animal skins for Adam and Eve so again here God clothed them the way they were going to cover up their sinful flesh wasn't good enough God said no I'm going to show you what you're really going to need to cover up your sinful flesh and he took the skin of a lamb and he covered their sinful flesh. And he said, this is an example of the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth and the man that I'm gonna become, I'm gonna wrap myself in flesh and I'm gonna die on that cross as a sacrificial lamb to cover all of your nakedness and to cover all of your shame and all of the wrong that you've done in your life. I'm gonna cover it up in one move by killing one precious lamb. So God did it for them as soon as they fell as an example of what he was going to do for mankind. Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord stationed mighty cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden 
and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So remember, God told him, if you eat from this tree, you will die. And God killed Adam when he separated him from his presence and from the tree of life. So Adam, no longer was he allowed to eat from the tree of life, which would cause his mortal death. But the separation from the spirit of God was the spiritual death that Adam received. He spiritually fell when he lost his spirit and he was kicked out of the garden. And that's why God told him after Christ died on the cross, he said, just wait. I know, I know that I've covered your skin and I know I've covered all the sin by dying. And I know that you're not naked anymore and I've covered all that, but there's still something that you're missing on earth. You're still not walking in the garden with the king. You still don't have his spirit inside you. You can't just communicate with God like we used to when I was inside you, when we were in the garden together. My spirit was a part of you, but you fell because you sinned. And I had to strip that spirit from you and you had to go to earth away from my garden, away from my presence. But he had a plan from the beginning of the earth that he was going to clothe himself in flesh and come down here as a sacrificial lamb and give his life so that we could have everything back again. That what the serpent stole in the garden has already been returned. God at the cross covered all of it. He at the cross, he covered our, our, our earthly needs because now he's in charge. He's back in charge. So we don't have to worry about what we wear, what we eat, what we need, what we look like, our wife. He's going to supply our needs again because he's back in our garden, in our life. But then he also said, wait, and I'm going to send my spirit with you. And he gave us the Holy Ghost to live inside of us, to complete us, to take us from being the 666, the two thirds of a man, and to get us back to being whole in him, body, spirit, and soul. We are one, just like the Trinity is one. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost make one being that we call God. And we're designed to be the same way, but we're not if we're lacking the Spirit of God inside of our lives. So let's allow ourselves to accept what Christ did at the cross. Let's allow his mercy and grace to be a part of our life. Let's let him cover our sinful, naked flesh. But let's not stop there. Let's not stop with repentance, acknowledging that we're naked and we need him. And let's not stop with baptism, where we're cleansed of our unrighteousness and we're raised to new life, that we get to walk in him. But let's go on to the full salvation. Again, we've been talking about the three, the Trinity. Here's the Trinity of salvation. Let's walk in the Holy Spirit. It'll give us signs that we're in him. It will, we'll speak in new tongues. We'll, we'll be full of love, joy, peace, happiness, gentleness, goodness. We're going to produce the fruit in our life. 
But we got to get back to the garden. We've got to get back to the garden. And the only way to get back to the garden is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our entryway back into the garden. When we accept what he did for us and we obey his words and we seek the Holy Spirit, we're welcomed right back into the Garden of Eden. We don't have to wait to heaven to receive that acceptance into the garden. We can make his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We can spend time today in the Garden of Eden with the king in the cool of the evening with our pets and our wives and our things all around us just enjoying being in fellowship with the God of the universe. So I hope this Bible study touched your hearts today. I really do feel like it was something that me and God were working on together because he kept talking to me about this this concept of getting back into the garden with him. That's what he really wants. He doesn't want you to, to go serve thousands as much as he wants you to be in a relationship with him. You know, we serve. I teach Bible studies. I preach. I do as much as I can in his kingdom because I love him. But none of that, none of that should ever take the place of just relaxing in his presence and just being in a relationship with God. I want to know his voice. I want to know his ways. I want to feel his heart. I want to be one with him as Christ was one with the Father. And we're given that promise in his word, but it, it's up to us. Just like Adam messed it all up, we can mess it all up. If we decide to seek after the wisdom of the world and to, to better our own lives and to make our own lives happy, we can lose out on just relaxing in the garden with them. So let's go to prayer today. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow this word to sink into our hearts, Lord, that we can keep it simple when it comes to living for God, that we don't have to get lost in all of the rituals and all of the things, but we can just relax and we can just spend time with you, God. I love that this Bible study has shown how much you love us, God. Because if anything in the world we need to understand, we need to understand how deep and how great your love is for us. The more we can see how much you love us, the easier it is for us to do what you would have us do. So let us continue to feel your love. Let it flow in the lives of everybody who's listening today. Touch their hearts, God. Lead them back to the garden with you. And I know if they can get in your presence... You can make everything better. You're our healer, our deliverer, and our savior. And we worship you, Lord Jesus Christ. And today, everybody say, amen. I love you all. And until next time, may God richly bless you.